Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast. Hey there, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, Okay, today we are going to answer a a long-standing debate once and for all. Is it better to be on staff as a copywriter or freelance? I mean, I'm sure you I have a feeling that a lot of people listening, though, might be like, freelance, obviously, we're building our copywriting business. So much better than Mm -hmm. on staff. But we're here to tell you, not so fast. Not so fast. Not so fast. Bucko. Well, and you know what? Here's the thing. I, I, I'm joking a little bit when I say that we're going to give you the, the definitive answer because my opinion or Kate's opinion or somebody else's opinion has no impact on what's best for your life, for what you need and what you're looking for out of the career. So really, I am kind of joking when I say we're going to give you a definitive answer. What we're going to give you is the the information that you need to know in order to decide what might be the best first step for you. So in this episode, we're going to dig into what it's actually like to be working as a freelancer and what it's like to be working on staff at a company. We'll also talk about contracting and that kind of thing. Um, But even maybe even before we dig into it, the great news is, is that you don't have to pick just one and stick with that one forever. Kate Mm -hmm. and I have both been in all in all of the above scenarios and and then some have cycled through them multiple times. Yeah, I think so many of us grew up thinking work and career has to be a very particular way of you get a job and maybe you work your way up at the company and occasionally you'll leave that company to go to another company in, in a similar position, maybe a higher up position, and you do all this until you retire and, and that's it. Versus 
times are a changing, first of all, but copywriting is very much a career that is <laughs> a lot more fluid. There's not as much rig- rigidity, rigidity around this has to be this way or that there are rules around, oh, you have to be in a certain job for three years and you can't leave this job before three years are up because it would look terribly versus as copywriters, often we might work as a contractor for a six month contract with a company and then the contract's up and we decide we want to do a different type of contract. And this field in particular, folks in this field know that there's no hard and fast rules for how you build a copywriting career. Mm-hmm. People that are going to be hiring you and looking to work with you know that you don't have to have been at a company for 10 years to have a mark of excellence. They are going to look at your portfolio. They're going to look at the work that you've done. They might give you a copy test. We'll link to our episode about copy tests so you know what to look out for with those. But they care about the work that, that you can do for their business. They do not necessarily care about your career trajectory, if you will, that you've spent three years here and five years here. And mm-hmm. that's a mark of a, a good professional. Well, and I've actually, I've interviewed copywriters for to, to come on staff at, at other companies. And it, when I look at their resume and I see that they've been in the same role working for the same, uh, same client for same in-house, so same client for like six years. And I asked them, you know, okay, well, so what freelance stuff have you done? And they said, oh, I haven't really done anything. I'm that that's actually, I would say it's a mark against them. If they've been doing the same work for six years without doing anything else, then it's going to be really hard to break them out of that. So, so demonstrating flexibility in your career is, is makes you more valuable. So kind of a a long way of saying, um, again, you don't have to choose just one, but we wanted to record this episode to just give you a little bit of insight into what it's like to work on staff or what it's like to work as a freelancer. So which one do you want to start with, Kate? What are you thinking? Let's go on staff first. On staff first. So meaning you are an employee of the company. And of course, this could be you are the employee of an agency. You could be working for a marketing agency or an advertising agency. Agency being uh, you are are employed by a company who does the creative work for another company. So, you know, think this is your typical madman kind of thing, right? You mm-hmm. you do the creative work and the other company is the client. They are external. Um, an in-house agency is, well, kind of like what it sounds. It's the agency that is in-house for a company. So a company, like when I worked for TJX, for example, which is the parent company of Marshalls and TJ Maxx and, and all that kind of stuff, they had an in-house uh, an in-house creative team, and we did the creative for them, um, at least the non-commercials, but we did the creative for those brands, and we were employed by the same company. So those are kind of two different ways that you can be on staff for a company as a copywriter. Mm-hmm. Some of the perks of working on staff, there there are many, actually, depending on the company, and obviously, it's going to vary company to company. So if you have a very bad experience working on staff at one company, which I highly doubt creative fields. It's often very, very fun, but either way, you never know the people that you're going to get. So you could have, it it could be the same company that someone worked for years and years ago and had a great experience. And maybe you come in and it's a totally different team and it could be different, but you're going to find that out during the interview process. So you don't want to necessarily write off any one company. This falls under our don't make assumptions kind of philosophy and ethos about many things. You want to 
choose on staff roles based on maybe your affinity for the company or that you think it'd be an interesting opportunity, or you feel like having mentorship and guidance would help you grow as a copywriter. So you're going to A, get lots of samples from an on-staff role, which is wonderful, especially if you're first starting out, or even if you're not first starting out, you just need a refresh of what's in your portfolio. You might be very attracted to an on-staff role based on the types of projects that they do. So maybe you know with this company that you'd be doing a lot of video work and writing video scripts, and that's not something you have experience with, so you want that in your portfolio. This could be a great opportunity to get those samples for your portfolio. You're going to have lots of collaboration and mentorship. So you probably will be working under a creative director who can help you grow as a professional. You'll be working with designers. You'll be working with developers, product managers, marketing managers. There might be a whole slew of folks that you interact with on different projects, depending on the need, which will help you better serve if you're still freelancing on the side, which you can do, or if you have plans to go back to freelancing or whatever, this will help you when you leave that role inevitably to have more information to better serve the folks that you're working with, to better serve your freelance clients with more ideas, more understanding of how to effectively collaborate and work with a team. Yeah. Well, and you'll also really get to know whatever brands you're working on just really, really well. You'll learn them in the, you'll learn them inside and out. You'll learn the target audience. You'll learn exactly how to speak to that target audience. And again, whether if you're an in-house team, maybe you have just, there are one or two brands that you're working on. Maybe if you're working in an agency, and actually maybe that should clarify that first. If you're at a smaller agency, uh, you may be working on a bunch of different client projects. If you're at a larger agency, uh, you might actually just be working on one client project. But again, Mm -hmm. when you're on staff, you really, really, really get to, to dig in and, and learn that brand. And, um, it's, you almost get some, almost kind of a feeling of, of ownership, you know, because you are collaborating, collaborating, you're spending so much time on this brand and you get kind of a, a pride in that brand, which certainly you should have pride in, in any of your clients' brands if you're freelance, but, but, um, it, it's it's almost like cheering for a team, you know, because you've been so much a part of this and uh, and and you get to know it in depth and you can really take that to heart um, in addition to the all the collaboration and all of the, the team building that you get when you're on staff. And of course, then, too, there is the there is the, the things that people automatically think of, right? The, the regular paycheck, um, the potentially some benefits, um, potentially some vacation time, all of those kinds of things that you associate with, uh, with a, an on-staff position. So yeah, I know when people hear regular paycheck, they immediately think safety, that this is a safe role because I'm going to be getting steady income. But the thing is, and CCA students have heard us say this before, but it bears repeating that you are safest when you are in control of your income and you are not in control of your income when the company is controlling your income. They're the ones that are paying you and you're relying on them to pay you. And of course they are, as long as that company is in business. But that is one thing you never know with business is that there could be layoffs, there could be mergers and acquisitions, and companies could fold and get sold or any number of things that you, of course, can't plan for. And if you find it on staff role that you like, great. We're not saying by any means that it's you should worry about this or be anxious about this. But you should have a safety net, a backup plan. You should know how to freelance should you need to do that should the company something happen. Because 
freelancers, CCA students know, you always know how to make money. You have a system for finding and landing clients. So you will always know how to find and land work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're on staff, I think it can feel, you can get complacent. It can get very easy to just say, okay, I'm not even going to take on freelance projects, but it's often very nice to be, I think both of us, every time I've been on oh, yeah. staff, I've also taken on freelance work. Um, and it keeps you fresh. It helps you bring ideas to your company, vice versa. You might get ideas at the company that you can then bring to your your freelance clients. Uh, but you always then also have additional income, additional knowledge. You're continuing to learn and grow in your role. And both of those are extremely valuable. But I do want to emphasize a paycheck every week does not mean it, the job is safe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you want safety, you need to be taking taking that control. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I will say for CCA students, a job isn't safe, but because as Kate was saying, because you have the skills, because you know how, you know exactly how to go out and find clients, you have an inherent safety. Kate, there's something that, that you said um, that mm-hmm. we've repeated a couple of times and I should just go ahead and let you say mm-hmm. it, but yeah. I think it was something to the effect of, I will always know how to make money. I will always know how to have income. And there's nothing, no safer feeling than knowing that I will always know how to find and land work mm-hmm. and land on my feet and have some, even if it's not, you know, if I lose, especially whether it's freelancing or on staff or whatever, if you lose one client, if they're, uh, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket in some ways for, if you're on staff, yes, might you have to ramp up and need a little bit of ramp up time? Sure. Uh, if you're freelance though, and have, you know, a handful of clients and for whatever reason you lose one because they decide they don't need copywriting up anymore, or whatever it is, you still then have your other work coming in. Yeah. It's not 100% of your paycheck that's gone. It might be 25% or 30%. And it's only temporary because you can immediately find and replace those clients. There's tons of work out there and there's always going to be more opportunity than there are copywriters to fill it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something to consider. Working on staff, I have, I have loved the on staff positions that I've been in. Super fun. And when I've moved on, it's just because I've been ready for a change. Um, but at the same time, too, uh, both Kate and I have have spent a decent amount of time as freelancers. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, I want to be freelance. Wait, is it actually possible to be freelance? And then once it's proven that it is actually possible, it's like, oh, that's the way. That's the thing. And because the things that we're thinking about certainly are true, especially I feel like a lot of people who want to go freelance came from a, a very restrictive, uh, a restrictive previous company. And because it's true, when you are freelance, you get to decide when you work. You get to decide which days of the week you work. You get to decide what hours you work. You get to decide which clients you work. You get to decide how much you charge. You can work from your kitchen table. You can work from Barcelona. You can work from, you know, obviously there may be, if you have family constrictions that might make it a little bit trickier to work from Barcelona, but take the kids. Um, but you, you do have a lot of freedom when it comes to working as a freelancer, a lot of freedom. But of course, there are also trade-offs. And some of that relates to some of the things that we were talking about um, when it comes to being on staff. 
it can get a little bit lonely as a freelancer. Now, CCA students, you guys know that you're lucky you have the, the CCA community and you guys can connect there. And we know people have become friends through uh, through the Facebook group and have met up outside and, and all that kind of thing. But it- Attended it, weddings. Attended weddings, exactly. Um, but it, it can get a little bit lonely and it can get a little bit quiet. There are certain times of the day when I will go and work at Starbucks just to hear other people or whatever. Um, and you, you kind of, you do, I do find myself missing that feeling of, of, and I should say this, obviously in this company, we have that camaraderie because we work remotely, but you know, Kate and I are on zoom calls together all the time and Caitlin and all the rest of our team. But, but when you are working just as a freelance, freelance copywriter, you can, you can miss that feeling of camaraderie. Also, um, probably the, the biggest, I don't want to say drawback, but the biggest consideration is that when you're a freelance, you're your income is up to you. If you stop pitching, which our students know, we will tell you again and again, even if you're busy, keep pitching. If you stop pitching, yes, you will probably get some referrals here and there. But again, referrals, it's out of your hands. You're giving up control again. When If you stop pitching, the work is going to stop coming in eventually. Maybe not immediately, but the work is eventually going to stop coming in, which means that, yes, you are in control of your time, you're in control of your schedule, you're in control of how much you make, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you, because you're in control of it, you have to actually take action. You have to be sending those pitches. You have to be following up. You have to re-pitch your clients or, or none of that stuff is, none of the rest of it, having the clients and having the income and all that stuff, none of that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things too to think about is when you're weighing these options and, and where you want to go and how you want to structure your career is the type of person you are in terms of how you best work. I know there are people who like an office environment because of the external kind of motivations of seeing other people around you getting down to work that you're like, oh, I need to focus too, versus in your own office or kitchen table or wherever you're working from. It can be not just distractions, but it can be just hard to focus, even if you're alone in your house to say, okay, no one's no one's forcing me to sit down and get work done right now. Let me just... I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And an hour and a half goes by and yeah, maybe your laundry's done and your dishes are washed, but you're kind of procrastinating a little bit on the work that actually needs to get done. Been there. Um, there, of course, is a freelancer oppor- opportunities to get outside your house, you know, co-working spaces. We love a hotel lobby, cafes that allow you to, to spend time there. Those sorts of things that may help you feel that external motivation to say, "Okay, I'm outside my house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus and get down to work." But you need to figure that out for yourself. Of is that you? Can you work in a remote environment? Can you work as a freelancer? Do you need an office space to be a little bit more productive? Um, and then also something we struggle with still: ending our day at five, six o'clock at a normal hour, if you will. Obviously, if we started work at noon, six o'clock is not late, but we start our days. Nikki starts her days very early, I know. And I start my days typically at probably around nine-ish, um, sometimes earlier, sometimes a little, you know, half an hour later. But either way, 5 and 6 p.m. being a normal shutdown time for an eight-hour workday as a freelancer can get very hard to do, quite frankly. And, and when you're first starting out, you're like, yeah, right, I have plenty of time and it's freedom structure my day. And as you add on more and more clients, 
and it's easy, very easy not to say no, or I should say easy to say yes to everything or to just take on more than you can handle, it can be very hard then to ever want to stop working. You're at your home environment. You're like, well, I've got no house going on. Let me pop on Netflix and pop on my computer and, and get some work done. And so you enter this phase of constantly being working versus in an office on staff role, all your colleagues are going home at the end of the workday. You're going to leave too. And when you leave that office, that physical distance, it's much easier to disconnect and say, okay, I'm done until I go back to the office the next day. Uh, So finding out what parameters, if you are going to freelance, if that is you, what can you put in place to make sure that you are setting boundaries and enforcing those boundaries? Taking email off my phone was a game changer. I can't have work stuff on my telephone and be out in the world working when I do that in my office. But how do you shut down your computer at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Do you shut down your computer Mm -hmm. at the end of the day? Yeah. Do you say no instead of just going, well, I don't know when the next time I'm going to get a client is and just say yes to all of it. Or can you say, all right, well, I'm pitching regularly, so I know there are always going to be clients coming. So I'm going to tell this client I can do this project, but I can't do it until two weeks out or three weeks out or a month out. And if they say no, I'm just going to have to be okay with that because there are always more clients to land. Absolutely. Um, And I do want to quickly want to address the concept of of benefits and and all that kind of thing. I know that sometimes I have to pay taxes. First of all, taxes. Sometimes we'll hear that, like, but if I'm freelance, I have to pay, I have to pay taxes on all that money. Yeah, guess what? You're paying taxes anyway, friend. When you are, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars at a company, if your salary is a hundred thousand dollars at a company, they're not giving you a check for a hundred thousand dollars divided by fifty-two. You're not getting that. Which I could look up. Yes, I know calculators exist. Um, <laughs> it's that two that makes it less easy calculation. But they're not just handing you. Ch- they're they're taking taxes out of that, but you're just not seeing it in your paycheck. But taxes are being taken out. Um, and yes, there are. If you're in the states, there are some additional taxes, but there are all kinds of things that 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 is offset by. Um, and then when it comes to uh, insurance. Yes, you need insurance, certainly. But number one, um, it's not like health insurance. Yes, thank you. Not, yeah, health insurance. Um, Number one, it's not that your company is giving you insurance out of the goodness of their heart. The whole point of benefits is they give you things so they don't have to pay you more. Okay, so it's not like, but my company loves me, so they're giving me insurance. No, if your company was not spending that on insurance, which they get deductions for, they'd be able to pay you more. That's the whole reason that companies started offering insurance to be to begin with. And that's why they start calling them benefits because it sounds really good. Um, but you can, so, so marketing. that's something to factor that you can make more as a freelancer than you might've made on staff. So that's something to think about as well. Um, but also you can get your own benefits. You can, uh, you can, get insurance for, you can get health insurance for yourself. And also, by the way, uh, and again, this is this in the States, um, other countries, you don't need it, but in the mm-hmm. States, uh, you can deduct it. And there are all kinds of tax deductions for um, self-employed people, all kinds of great stuff that you can factor in. If you have to drive your car to clients, then you can factor that in. If you have office space in your house, you can factor that in. There's, I mean, I won't dig into it here, but there are all kinds of- We'll link of, to the episode that we did on it in the you. show notes. So yes. definitely check it out about exactly. how to build in your own benefits package because you can build in yes. vacation time too. Exactly. You can build in all of it, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think the only reason people feel- 
oh, it's scary and it's hard or whatever. It's because you haven't done it before. It's not hard. You just haven't learned how to do it. You haven't dug in and maybe you don't know where to begin. CCA folks, you know, you have tons of resources for setting prices to make sure that you're pricing your services correctly to kind of offset what you're paying in taxes and all of that sort of thing, but in benefits and to factor that all in, but it's, it's not hard. It's just new. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's the, I put an underline under that. It's, it's not hard. It's just new. Um, and I think the, the only other thing that we really kind of haven't talked about is uh, contracting, which is kind of a, a little bit of a hybrid between the two. When you're a contractor, you are doing work for a company hourly. Um, and often you will be going into that company's office to work there, but you are not on staff. You are, you are not employed by them, but they're paying you hourly and they usually have a contract for a certain period of time and a certain amount of time. You know, you have a three month contract for 20 hours a week. Um, and I guess nowadays you don't necessarily have to go into the office. I always kind of liked it for me. I always really liked contracting. Um, now do you make a little bit more on a project basis? Yeah generally, but I also liked contracting because it was a limited period of time, you know, like three months and I got to go somewhere and meet new people and work on new projects. But I also, I apparently when it came to work, I was a little bit of a commitment phobe, but I also knew that there was an end date. I didn't have to be like, all right, at some point I'm going to have to quit. And that's always challenging, but there was an end date and I would go and I would get to meet new people, work on new projects and do that work. I will say that almost every single time I contracted someplace, they ended up offering me the job, which I, I think maybe except for one time said, no, thank you so much, but I'm just going to be contracting for a while. Um, but that is something to think about too, if you're kind of not sure, or at least I should say that's another option to factor in. Um, and again, Bounce between all three of them if you want to. Figure out what works best for you, but also what works best for you at one point in your life might not work best. If you have small kids at home, you might want to be freelancing so that you can work around their schedule. When they are in school for longer days, maybe you want to give being on staff a try or who knows, or contract. Maybe you or... find a contract role that's part-time. Like there's so many possibilities and so many different combinations of these. And it might be, maybe it's a contract that's remote. Maybe it's an on-staff position yeah. that's fully remote. Yeah. There's so many options now. So just to be open to it all, explore it all and decide what works to Nikki's point, what works in that moment, but also what you're drawn to or what, what interests you. Is it this project just something that's really, really interesting that you want to be a part of? And if it is a three-month contract, great. Then you get a great portfolio piece, more connections in your network. I can't tell you how many great referrals can come out of just working with people. And the more people you work with, the more people in your referral network. And as they go off to different companies, as they go on to work with, uh, you know, different on different projects, or they have you in mind and say, oh, we need a copywriter for this. We loved working with so-and-so, so let's reach out. It's mm-hmm. it's so the more opportunities you leave yourself open to, the more potential there is just for so many good things to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So which one is best? Well, the the bad news is, is there's no perfect answer. But the good news is that there's no perfect answer. There's no perfect answer. They're all great. They're (laughs) all great. And they can all be great at different times in your career. It's just Mm -hmm. in that moment when you have the opportunities in front of you, 
weighing which one you feel like doing at that time more because there's no right or wrong decision. It's just what you want to explore at that time. And again, nothing's written in stone. You're not, even if you take an on staff job, guess what? You can quit and move on Mm -hmm. to something else, either move on to another on staff job or go back and do some freelance or do some contracting. It's, it's part of what makes, it's part of what makes us so fortunate to do what we do, aside from the fact that the work is super fun and the people we work with are great and all of the other wonderful things about copywriting, but it can be as flexible as you want it to be. And you can truly build a career that looks exactly the way that you want it to. We are very fortunate. So I would really encourage you to, to take advantage of that. Yeah. And just remember that, give yourself permission to, to take advantage of that. And remember that you have the power, if you will, to, to make these choices. I think it can be easy. Again, we're taught a certain way that we move up the ladder and there's a certain path to things. And then we forget that we, especially when we switch to this field, that, that, that doesn't apply. Those, those, there are no rules. Those are out the window. We have the power to do what we want and to shape our careers, how we want. So just taking a step back and reminding yourself that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's your career. So you can make it what you want to make it. So I know that we did not answer that question. You were probably coming in looking for a black or white, yes or no answer, which one's better. But the truth is they're all fantastic. So it's all about what, what you want. And we are just here to give you a little insight and maybe give you a little bit of help making that decision. So with that, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.